American graphic designers was really, really awesome. It was Terrence Moline and Dave McClinton. And we spoke about black mentorship, black designers and just black communities. And so in general of us talking about, you know, designers collaborating, networking and working with each other. I think one of the things that happens a lot for black designers is a lot of times we find ourselves being the only black designer in a company or maybe in an agency. And it's kind of hard to get support and network and just learn sometimes. And so I really uh, value what these brothers are doing about just working on building a community brick by brick and, um, you know, being there to mentor some of the younger designers as well. I think that there's a love, you know, work out there for everybody. And um, I think if we can work together and really um, establish that community with each other, it helps on the next generation because then they'll always be in that same mindset of working with each other, each other collaborating as well. And then also too, you know, just getting better at uh, turning that stigma about, you know, black designers as being maybe cheap or unprofessional or something like that. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty uh, big hill to climb, but I think, you know, client by client, I like the way they are approaching it. And one of the good things I liked about this conversation was, you know, we have a lot of similar uh, experiences, even though we're on different coasts and, um, and even on, you know, and roughly in the same age group as well. So without further ado, my friends are fresh African-American graphic designers. Dave and Terrence, welcome to the show, guys. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm here with the African-American graphic designers, uh, Dave McClinton and Terrence Moline. You go, you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll Dave, go first because we'll, yeah. we'll let the leader go last. Uh, my name is Dave McClinton. <laughs> I've been uh, designing for 25 years, uh, based in Austin, Texas. Got a bachelor's degree way, way back in the 90s. Um and uh, I'm also an artist. I make art as well. And uh, yeah, so that that's me in a very tight nutshell. I'm Terrence Moline. I call myself founder and head listener at AAGD.co. I am a creative and I really enjoy community design and I'm very happy to be on this show. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, um, I've been part of. So for those that don't know, um, AGD has a, uh, a Facebook group. I was invited. I don't even remember who invited me, actually, which is hilarious. Um, but I was initially invited through the Facebook group and is now spawned off onto their own network, which is actually really, really dope as well. Um, and I thought like a lot as it had it was a place for a lot of graphic designers that are black to kind of commingle, you know, network with each other, learn from different stuff, kind of like, you know, swap resources, you know, each one teach one type of thing. And then I saw that you guys started to spin off and kind of do your own network outside of Facebook. Well, we can get that into that later. But um, I also wanted to just to start with like, how did it all come about? Like how did the African-American graphic designers even just begin? Like just those first like <laughs> five people in the group. Oh, well, that's a very interesting story. Um, African-American graphic designers started in New Orleans, actually, in many ways. I went to Loyola in the 90s, and I didn't really have that many other graphic designers that were African-American. And I tried to get us to coalesce and do things together, but it was very challenging. And then after I graduated, after I graduated, I started reaching out into the community and started collecting other African-American graphic designers in New Orleans, being majority black. I thought this would be an easy thing and everybody would embrace this since we were not outcast, but we were not as embraced. Right. And um, as I reached out to people, they 
didn't really understand my intention. Some people were afraid. Some people thought we were competition and I was trying to steal secrets and it just blew my mind. <laughs> I'm just like, this is so unfortunate that I'm trying to reach out. And, you know, I may have been, I don't know, annoying. I don't know. Sometimes it happens. And so um, I was doing this all the way until 2005. And 2005 is when Katrina happened. And so um, I lost everything, uh, relocated to Austin. Matter of fact, it was through a black designer named Tosin, um, who we used to work together on some for Renaissance Records, actually. And uh, he had been inviting me to visit Austin every time there was a hurricane. And I finally just chose him this time to visit. And so I wound up staying here and wanted to recreate the community that I had in New Orleans. And at the time, I had just been looking at Facebook, which I detested. Um, and then I was understanding search engine optimization and trying to figure out the best way to um, gather or build a community. And so eventually I came across this Facebook group because I was doing research on who had African-American graphic designers. And it was this Facebook group there. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And to be honest, when I got there, it was pretty much a trash fire. And so I started moderating the group, although I didn't have any control of the group whatsoever. I was just like trolling the trolls until they like left the group. Um, and then I had no control, but everybody thought I ran the group. And so I was running the group and then I started the page for years. And then at some point in time, the people who ran the group, who I reached out to, gave the group to somebody else. And I was like, oh, that's fucked up. I mean, <laughs> I've been asking and I've been maintaining this group, but they, so again, maybe I was being annoyed. I don't know what happens. And then the person who had the group, they're just like, does anybody else want to help me run this group? I was like, uh, me, because you, you never mind me. And so they gave me the group and then they left the group. And so ah. I was like, oh, okay, it's it's my group. And I already had the page. I already had the website. So I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. And so that's when I really started trying to program and understand how this community was going to function. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of dope. Because, like, I'm not even sure... I, I literally do not remember who actually invited me in, which is hilarious. Um, but it was cool, though, because I thought, you know, I've been a designer since, I mean, late 90s, which is high school for me. But then um, professionally since about 2004. And so, you know, and living in New York, you know, I actually did get to start my own smaller group of black designers that I rock with and that added in other people of color as well. And it was really cool. But it was cool that it was one of those things that was very New York centric. You know, I was like some of the homies mm -hmm. here and um, I had people in, in California as well, but it wasn't necessarily a more organized group or anything like that. And so then when I stumbled upon the group, I was kind of like, oh, OK, this is cool. And it was it for me, it was twofold. One of it was like, oh, dope, black designers. Another file, the other part was, oh man, it's a lot of church, church flyers. It's a lot of church flyers mm -hmm. here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I remember I kind of like disassociated myself with the group for a long time. And then um, I saw a couple things that were really dope, but it kind of caught my eye. And around this time, I started to be a little bit more co uh, conscious of who I supported in terms of designers, um, in terms of groups, uh, even products as well. And um, I went to school for animation illustration. Classic train drawing, painting, oils, uh, flip animation, 3D, all that. And so when I used to go to the Comic Cons, I would go to all the black um, creators and each time it would be either like super dope or 
misspellings or bad paper mm-hmm. or color or this or that. And so it really kind of disheartened me because I was like, yo, I want to support black people, but I want to support the good, good, good stuff, <laughs> quote unquote. Um, and so I had this trying to from there, try to change my thinking to be like, OK, if I want to support folks and I don't want to be a dick about it, but I also want to be helpful. Like, how can I do that? And I thought coming back to the um, AAGD uh, group, I started to say, okay, instead of saying, oh, this is whack or just missing someone's skill being like, okay, maybe I can help in terms of like, Hey, they were, they were close to getting it here. What can I help them and push them onto the right uh, direction? And so I kind of put that on myself just internally. And I didn't really tell folks, but I was kind of like, all right, if I'm going to, if I'm going to speak in the group in the Facebook group, let me make sure it's positive, make sure it's helpful. And, um, you know, and remind myself that like I at two had to, you know, we're doing flyers for the club or flyers for church at one time. And I'm uh-huh. way past that, but be a little bit more humble in how I approach that. And so um, that's kind of how I looked into the group. And then as, as I started to do that, I started to see that you guys started to take more steps in terms of, you know, kind of organizing, kind of policing a little bit, um, mm-hmm. kind of think, keep things in a positive way. A lot more sharing was going on, a lot more networking was going on. And I actually really appreciate that because like, kind of like, as you said, if you go to like a lot of other Facebook groups, they're really all over the place and and a lot of it's just self-promotion or you know that kind of stuff but there wasn't really um a more of a community feel where people are actually learning people are collaborating and having conversations yeah that takes a whole lot of conscious decision making um and a lot of patience to realize that these things will happen over time and it also takes a lot of modeling and i think it took me years before i fully understood that And then Dave, how'd you get into it? Um, you know, as I was sitting there listening to to, to Terrence talk, it, it occurred to me how we met. So I decided to look to search to see if I still had the original email, and I do. Um, it oh, was no. back in 2012. <laughs> uh, November 27th, 2012 was when we were introduced by a, a man named Donnell Creech. Um, and then I also remember a little bit later, I have that email as well. Where so Austin used to be a pretty small town and I'm the kind of person that I obsess over all the creatives that are near me. So I, I've seen everyone's portfolio. I always I, I go I follow people. I see what they're up to. I follow them on social media. So I kind of know even if I don't know you, I know who you are, probably. So um, so I knew who I knew who Terrence was. And then I get an email from him out of the blue about a logo. Um RFP. And that's how we really started talking. Like, mm-hmm. like I just, I saw, I, I recognized the name and I was like, wait a minute. It's a black man trying to help another black man get a, get a job. Like, what? what? So back up, back up. Hold on. Slow down there, sir. Slow down. That's a lot. That's a lot of help you're saying. I don't hear no hate in your heart. <laughs> so yeah. And so then we knew each other. Um, I'm sitting here going through these emails we knew each other online via email first for what's looking like a couple of years. And then we decided to hang out one day. Well, it was, um, because, of sat- it was because of sad hour. That's right. Yeah. Cause so I used to do this, this little joke to instead of happy hour, call it sad hour to get, get all my friends to get together and hang out. And um, nice. yeah, I guess we've been, we were friends before we actually met, I feel like, or at least acquaintances online, yeah. via, like I said, via email. And then once we met in person, we've been friends ever since. Yeah. Um, and um, then I just sort of slowly wormed my way into um, AAGD, you know, like it, I'd help out here and there. And then like, if there was ever a, 
you know, AAGD started to turn into sort of a pseudo agency. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd help out with that work. Um, you know, the, the incoming work and, um, yeah, I've just been, like I said, I just kind of weaseled my way in. Over the <laughs> you, did last, not, you did not weasel your way in. Last <laughs> few years. It's way more magical than that. But the, but the funny thing is, the first time we hung out, um, you know, Austin being this sort of um, a not a very black city, uh, we met at a bar where there just inexplicably happened to be a bunch of black people in it. It was really weird. I walk in, the bartender's black. Terrence is black, I'm black. And then there's a whole crowd of black people off to the side. And I gathered us all together for like a big photo <laughs> because it would just, we had never, I'd never seen that many black people together that it wasn't a football game or a basketball game. Right. So, so yeah, like, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's been cool. It's been, it was cool for me to, to finally meet somebody that looked like me that did what I did. Yeah. Um, because all through school, all through high school, um, going to commercial art classes all through college, going to design courses and then working in, in the professional world. I'd never met another black designer face to face. I even went to a design conference in San Francisco in the late 90s, 3000 attendees. And the only other black person I saw there had a head had on headphones and a clipboard and was working it. Like, you know, yeah. I guess the project manager or something just working yeah. the working the show. I didn't see any of the black designers. So yeah, it, it's, thing, that's crazy. is probably the first black designer I've ever met. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. crazy because I'm I'm from I'm from California Bay Area originally, and so the majority of my classmates and stuff it's a multicultural. So I'm I'm always around like a, a barrage of different types of cultures all the time. And then moving to New York, and I was living in Bed Stuy. This is the first time I was actually in a predominantly black area, and um and then I was working at BET at the time, and so that was again that was. 75, 80% black folks, um, probably like 60% women. And so it was just really interesting to kind of be around more black designers and creatives and that aspect of it. And then living in Brooklyn and, and you know, mingling and that kind of stuff. And it was cool because again, in California, and I've, I've been raised more with multicultural people all the time. So being in New York and being in Brooklyn, I was just like, well, there's a lot of Negroes over here. <laughs> but it was cool to meet more creatives that were doing writing, directing, um, you know, designing, um, animation and that kind of stuff. And it was, it's cool to have more of that camaraderie as well. And I didn't realize how important it was um, to kind of have those like conversations and kind of meet folks like that, because it helps the younger ones see that that actually is a lot more possible. Yeah. And it also, Dave, I, you know, I'm going to give a lot, Dave a lot more credit than he thinks he probably deserves, <laughs> but it, it was because of your sad hour is it was at a time in my life where I was chasing a lot of black designers still. And it was really hard, um, like from other agencies. And I was like, why am I chasing people when there's this guy on Facebook who's saying like, I'm going to be available, just come out and meet me. And I think a lot of more designers really need to do stuff like that. It was a small gesture, but it, it turned into this, you know, yeah. and I think that's the power of meeting through AAGD. You never know what these things are going to turn into. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I just noticed Dave, our logo, the AAGD logo, is the logo I submitted for the first thing we, for the first RFP, <laughs> nice. which is a very interesting story yeah. trying to work with Black institutions. And oh. see, and I think that's dope because I think, um, you know, we can get into that too, because one um, working with black companies and black institutions, small business, we've all probably have a l- bunch of horror stories slash hilarious stories. <laughs> right. And um, but I think also too, 
continuing to still seek out um, black companies and black institutions to work with, because I think that's something that I've seen a lot more within AAG as well, where people are like, hey, you know, I'm you know, starting to work with this, this this group or this is what I work did something for them. And I think even even those small steps actually helps the overall group to kind of show that, you know, hey, working with black people isn't always bad. Isn't always, you know, cheap. It's not always annoying. It can be profitable. It can be um, successful yeah. and actually like, like you say, and be worth, worth it. Cause I think that that actually helps yeah. a lot of too. Cause yeah. there's, there's a good time where I'm like, I am not working with black people. It's just what it is. <laughs> and like, cause I just, you, you just get tired. But then what I had to realize is like, okay, I have to just change my um, process of, the type of clients that I want and start from there and then see if they fit into those realms. If they do, cool. If they don't, no love lost, but then also don't get mad if I, if they go for someone cheaper or, you know, yeah, it doesn't right. necessarily work out. And, you know, you can have the initial um, positivity of like, hey, I want to work with this black company. But then also, you know, if it doesn't really fit what you do or you're kind of like, um, you know, design aesthetics, then you be okay with being like, hey, man, it might not work out. Here's other people I can recommend, that kind of stuff, and not get too mad about that aspect. And that's something that took a little while for me to kind of get past where I'm like, you know, I'm very like, ah, I don't want to work with black people. And it's like, ah, hold on. Maybe it's just, I don't want to work with certain industries or I don't want to work with um, certain um, types of businesses. And that might be a little bit better to um, look at. Because like, again, I think, um, for especially for black businesses, it's it runs the gamut of of the needs and services, but then also professionalism as well. And so, like, I've had some really amazing client black clients that have been like, you know, so it was super dope. It was so much fun to work with. And then I have the opposite where we all have those opposites. We all have the horror clients. And so, um, yeah. trying to still be positive in that was something that it took a little bit to to kind of get to. Yeah, it does. And Dave can definitely tell you about like the clients that we work with and the experiences we had. um, Yeah, we have some huge we have some clients where the budget's pretty big. And then we've got some clients that that the, um, you know, the budget might be five hundred dollars, you know, for like a quick little logo. And we, we try to say yes to those things because we have this this cadre of younger designers that we're trying to help. Um, get them some experience. Yeah. So the 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 way I can equate it is the agency side of AAGD is not all that different from a teaching hospital. Mm, okay. So you say you break your leg and you go, you get taken to a hospital, a teaching hospital. Or an actual doctor with experience will be there, but he will probably assess you he will he will help you he will take take you in get your information probably do the initial thing on your leg but then he's going to hand it off to a student yeah. the student's going to take care of you from there but then that doctor will come in every now and then and look over that student's shoulder and make sure he's not screwing up your leg but so <laughs> that's kind of what happens like so some for some of these smaller things we don't have our hourly rate doesn't allow us to work on a $500 logo yeah but some kid that just graduated, their hourly rate's fine. Yeah. So we'll take in the project, collect the information from the client, and then let the junior junior designer work on it. And sometimes we have to step in and just finish the whole thing. Mm. But there are there are these opportunities where, um, you know, there's a thing that we worked on not too long ago where uh, I just art directed. Um, some stuff for a, a a PowerPoint template and a junior designer did it. I stepped in, made some ad, asked her to make some adjustments. Um, so we got to work on the project together. She got to learn 
some client interaction and how to take criticism. Nice. And all, I just spent maybe 90 minutes on the whole thing, you know, and then we, we paid her, you paid, got paid for my time and we took care of the client and the client wasn't just left blown in the wind with a junior designer that may not have known how to handle them because I was always there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Taking care of it. Yeah. It's also, so that's that's one way we've sort of tried to deal with what you were just talking about. Mm. The, the varying to me, the, the problems always come from a lack of experience with dealing with designers. Um, from, from a client perspective, like if they've never dealt with a designer before or the last designer maybe they dealt with was their cousin who didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> and now they think all designers are like that. Yeah. And I think that comes from also that lack of like project management as well and uh, client interface. And so, especially for a lot of the young designers, especially when you come out of school, cause you don't really know, you know, you're they're yeah, like, yeah. You just coming out and, you know, even um, when art, my teachers were kind of like, well, we don't have time to teach you guys everything. We can only get you to a certain point, push you out into the world. And then all the rest of it is going to be on on the job training, basically. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wish there had been a. Um, so, yeah, when I was in school, you know, we had the design courses and we had an illustration course and then we had like a portfolio class, kind of. But we never had anything that prepared us for all the other things like there should be a psychology class actually (laughs) it should be the kind of that teaches you all the different personalities you're going to run into or they can't teach you that but they can prepare you for what it's like when you're and also um, yeah and also you know your client panics like you yeah and also too thinking about thinking about things like small, uh, small business accounting, um, yeah. project management and those types yeah, yeah. of things. Like those are the things I noticed, you know, now being so far removed from school, you know, it was good that like I went to school more for, um, art based and then learned design while I was in school and then got, you know, kind of flip-flopped or whatever. Um, yeah. but just those, those other skills that, you know, like you said, project management clients dealing with different clients, understanding how to take criticism, how to have feedback, how to give feedback and how to give criticism. I think one of the good things that in my art school that we were really good at is our teachers had us show each other um, our pieces before we went to class. So then when they went, so when you went to class, they'd be like, all right, cool. This is Cameron's piece. And then they would, who'd you show it to? And I'm like, oh, I showed it to this person and this person. And they would talk to those people first before they even talked to me. Because right. they'd be like, okay, how come you didn't tell Cam that this is wrong or this is right? Or, What's <laughs> going on? And so yeah. by doing that, it made the whole class um, responsible for each other's artwork. And then we all got better at critiquing, giving feedback and positive feedback. And uh, feedback in a way that's um, helpful, not just like hurting or biting, you know? Right, right. Yeah, we we did that, but it was very informal. Like we had, um, uh, we would always, we were always together. Like there was like four or five of us always hanging out, working together on projects when, when I was in school and we would help each other. And I remember there would be this endless nights where we would just all be in the, the top office of the, the top uh, of the art building just thinking up headlines, trying to, you know, trying to brainstorm ideas for each other. And it, it was funny. It felt like we were a tiny little agency mm-hmm. because sometimes you would even forget, is this my project or is this Larry's project? Like we would forget, <laughs> who, but we would just all make sure that everything we were working on was tight. And then, you know, then you'd like, you'd realize, okay, yeah, that's mine. I need to, I need to make sure that, 
that I signed that because that's yeah. my project, even though I might have spent all night doing typography for a friend of mine. Yeah. For his thing. And so, I see, I think um, that's that's dope because I think the collaboration aspect of it is something that I really enjoy about AGD in general, because I think, you know, kind of like what you were saying, it's like, you know, you guys, you know, again, you guys are starting to have more, more your network is growing just from the group itself and outside your own stuff. So, yeah, you, there's a lot of products that come your way that you might not be able to be like, yo, it's not really worth my time in terms of where the where I'm at experience wise. But you're 100 percent correct. A lot of the junior designers, they could this would completely help them. You know, they make a little cash, but they would also learn more on that. And I think that's the one aspect that a lot of the kids that come out of school, they don't really get that agency experience or even having that collaboration experience. And on top of that, with someone black. And so that actually adds like a couple layers where, you know, I actually uh, appreciate that aspect of it, because I think right now when it comes down to like mentorship and, you know, helping each other. That's something that we as a black community, we're getting better at. Um, we're not great, but you know, I'm glad that I'm starting to see it while, whether I'm in um, large companies or smaller companies, I'm starting to see more people try to get into that and really come to uh, be in a positive way to kind of, uh, to do that as well. Yeah. We do, we do a thing called, um, we have something called office hours where every one of the core members will sign up for, will uh, make themselves available um, for anyone to sign up, anybody in the group to sign up and just ask advice and, and maybe they show their portfolio. Maybe they do something like that. Um, once a month we'll, on a Wednesday night, we'll have a community gathering where just, you know, young designers or inexperienced designers can show their work. Like just, just last week, we just went through everyone's, everyone that showed up, we just went through their portfolio and talked to them about the portfolio in front of nice. everyone. Dope. So that stuff is kind of built in. Um, and we have a very informal aspect of, um, the, uh, um, accountable, uh, accountability buddy, <laughs> um, <laughs> that it's not anything super formal. Like you can just reach out to someone and if two people vibe, then that's, then you, then they, they govern that relationship. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that, that is part of it. But the other part of it, like, Helping mentor young designers is important, but also I think just as important is making sure the clients have a good experience Mm -hmm. so that we're trying to build a legacy and a knowledge base that black designers are capable of doing, doing the work. Yeah, no, definitely. So that if we can make a client happy, that their their reference point will be oh well I know these these black designers at AAGD they 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 took care of me yeah so like that that's part of it too like we want to help we want to try to educate the client as much as we want to educate the smaller the the younger the younger um, designers too so no that's great sides of it yeah and, I, and that's something that you know it on a micro level it helps a lot because like you said you know you have one you want to have one bad experience with a black designer and now that's your experience for all of it yeah, yeah. When, and so even by those small little steps it helps going forward and i think kind of the same I, you know we were we're talking about, you know, um, working with black clients sometimes in black institutions. And sometimes it comes really, really well. Sometimes it doesn't do it so well. But for us, we're kind of like, well, we, you know, we're still going to keep trying. It doesn't mean that like, oh, I had one bad experience with, say, a black client. I'm never going to hire. I'm never going to work with them again. But it's more about, OK, how, what can we do to make this uh, relationship a little bit better? But then also, like you said, on the client side to kind of like, again, it's a it's a huge undertaking, but it's dope that client by client, you can just kind of be like, Hey, we are out here. <laughs> we're yes. dope and we're, and we can work well together and, and produce some very high quality stuff. 
Yeah, and we have a we have a um, looks like Terrence is back. Um, we have a a, a, a more aggressive um, um, margin of error too, because there's no white designer in the world has ever said, "Oh, they worked with a white designer and it didn't go well." I hope they don't. I hope they don't disavow all white designers. No white designer, no white person has ever said that in the history of whiteness. In the history of whiteness. <laughs> But that's something that black designers do think about. Like, yeah. oh, like if, yeah. if this relationship doesn't go well, they're going to think that no black designer. Like, that's just this unique United States fuckery yeah. that we have to represent everyone. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and we catch it from both sides. We catch it from white people and we catch it from ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think for um, us, we um, when I was in New York, we me and a couple of guys, we started something just small for ourselves and kind of shared clients and kind of that stuff. And that was a lot of that, too, where we would talk to folks in Harlem. We talked to folks in Brooklyn. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, I hired X, Y, Z and this person didn't work out. You know, well, I'm going to pay you guys so much money and blah, blah, blah. We're like, we're different people, actually. <laughs> it's like, that's cool. I mean, you know, I don't know who you talk to. You said it was uh, some college kid. I've been out of college for 10 years. So I don't know where besides us being black, how are we the same? <laughs> yeah. But you're right, though. The people hold on to that experience so much. And so it is harder to kind of break folks out of that to kind of remember, hey, man, this is a new television show. This is a new season, new cast. We start fresh <laughs> and, you know, let's work on this relationship, not worry about your past one, because if your past one worked out, I wouldn't be here. So that's part of the reason where, you know, that that level of um working with the client and soothing and to try to get them to, to educate them, you know, educate them as well um, helps a lot as well. And so now with um, how you guys are starting to not necessarily leave Facebook, but you guys are starting to create your own um, within you guys are using mighty networks, I believe. We are using mighty networks. Yeah. And so starting to yeah. create your own social um, network um, through AAG GD. I know it takes, and um, I've been in social media for about eight eight to nine years, um, uh, like professionally. So starting your own social network is ridiculously hard, but it is. Um, it's, it comes to mind. Yeah. But yeah. it actually can, um, be fruitful because I think some of the things that's happened with, um, the rise of a lot of Facebook groups, um, with, you know, people starting to break off from the, the larger uh, social networks to kind of start to form their own things. It's almost akin to like how the old forums used to be. Cause you know, discord is really big mm -hmm. now, you know, people are using WhatsApp more than just like, you know, just, uh, one or two is now people are starting their own chats and stuff like that. So it's actually important that people start to make their own things because, you know, starting your own, you know, own little network. And like, I'm on a bunch of different um, discords and um, I like that, that aspect of it, because that community aspect comes into it, that kind of um, is um, divorced from all the dumbness that, ha that happens on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm a hundred percent sure that we are normally ahead of the curve. Because we've been on Mighty Networks for the last four years, three, four years, maybe. Um, and, you know, every every time we hear somebody talk, every time we look at um, what's happening with social media, because of what happened with Facebook during 2020, also or 2021, we do see the trend is to move into like more private networks. And plus, all of us are more aware of the ownership of data. Yeah. And so that that is a, a very big thing for me. Every time we have these really beautiful conversations on Facebook, I'm always just like, oh man, and they have all this data and like, it's hard for me to get to it. It's hard for me to like yep. organize it. So it is, I'm, I'm glad that we have started it. It is a long 
Hall. Um, the membership site actually started because we were taking a lot of the work that was coming in. We initially started as a community in about, I guess, five or six. No, no, no. Okay. So started as a community. And after I had control for about two years, people were started sending us messages for designers to either work for them or work on projects. Mm. I was like, oh, that's interesting, but we're a community and we're not really <laughs> interested in doing any projects. Thank you very much. And then at some point in time, it dawned on me that that would be a really good business model. I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. And uh, I initially I started sending any of the jobs that were overflow to members in the, in the community. And that didn't always go so well. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> what I, I learned way more about my community, black designers than I actually wanted to and was prepared to deal with. Mm. So I had to slow things down. So it's like, like Dave was saying earlier, if we do this wrong, everybody's going to be looking at us like, you know, you can't trust African-American graphic designers. And I was like, that, that just can't happen. Um, So that's when I started really realizing that, okay, we're going to need to very specifically train people as to how we want them to work with clients that come through us. And that membership site now is that buffer. You know, Mm. we get to know who's serious. We get to know personalities. We're more open to having private conversations. We're more accessible because I'm on that all the time. I am not on Facebook all the time at all. Um, So we have um, been blossoming and growing relationships there. And hopefully more people from the Facebook group will start wanting to make that leap. I know we have to do a better job at promoting it. Um, But right now I am very happy with the progress. It would be nice to have more people, but I think at this size, the way it's growing now, we have the opportunity to really get to to know the members. Yeah, no, that's dope. And honestly, that's probably better Um, more just because I think, like you said, having a place to kind of vet folks before you kind of pass them on to some potential dough is like a a very good thing. And then also, too, like you said, it does um, it does judge the um, how many people are in or if, if they got skin in the game or not. And I think that's one of the things that you'll start to see as you start to get bigger and bigger, because, you know, a lot of other people, like that's how they use these networks, you know, whether it's Patreon, whether it's um, even OnlyFans, like that's literally just bringing, um, you know, their fans or whatever audience from one social network and bringing them into another one that's actually paid because the people that actually pay kind of actually care. Because <laughs> you're hey, now hey, telling, you know, yeah, go ahead. I was, no, I was going to just say AAGD OnlyFans. I really didn't think about that. That's, a, that's maybe, maybe that's... <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and click out now. <laughs> well, y'all, enjoy, the, y'all enjoy yourselves. Well, the funniest part is that, like, you know, contrary to the popularity of OnlyFans, <laughs> it, it did start from a more of a celebrity and smaller, like a knockoff of like a, uh, a Patreon. And so it was interesting that there, it was just interesting that they had a lot more flexibility and rules that it got, you know, more known for the adult entertainment and that kind of stuff. But a lot of their, you know, their initial push was actually through celebrities, comedians and that kind of stuff. And that's how Patreon as well. And like even on the uh, Patreon, which is like to me, it's still fascinating where it's like you have people that have full on YouTube networks and, you know, social things all through Patreon, you know, people, people, you know, a thousand people paying three bucks a month. Like that's a lot of dough that pays rent, that pays bills, everything else. But if you're, um, steadily bringing in that content and that value, then building that community makes a lot of sense. And I think with AAGD and that same type of um, mentality, you can kind of kind of think about that and kind of work work it to your advantage, but also to the benefit of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. We're thinking about that all the time. Like, like, you know, how can we manufacture enough content 
um, and enough of a benefit aside from maybe working on the occasional project? Um, how can we create enough, um, you know, like I said, content to make the membership worthwhile? Yeah, no, um, and, definitely. And when I when I look at what I get out of belonging to AAGD or I'm sorry, AIGA, I think we offer more, more of a community because I I've never talked to anybody from AIGA <laughs> except the one time when they reached out in 2020 when they wanted to talk to a black person. I mean, yeah, um, that, I that was the only are... time anybody from AIGA ever reached out to me was after George Floyd was murdered. So, yeah. you know, that that's how they roll. I think they're just those groups are just figuring out what online communities are. Yeah. Um, because, you know, a IGA for a while was concentrating on local chapters. Um, and so they weren't thinking about, at least in my opinion, how to connect their uh, their national and even global community. Mm. Yeah. Like I've, I've kind of dabbled it because I because I do a lot of different random things and never really stuck into one of the communities per se. Um, but some of the more successful um, like discord groups, like I'm in one of this for um, like black animators. And so like I went to school for animation. I still have tons of connects with in animation and all that. And so they kind of brought me in more on a um, because I'm older and it was interesting to see, because again, like you said, there are just a ton of black kids out there that want to be in the creative field as a job. And, you know, they are now just more looking for direction or looking for someone to help or just, you know, just someone to ask questions. And I think those are those, just that mentorship thing. And I think one of the things, um, you know, when I was working at BET, I, one of the things that was like annoying to me is I didn't, I saw a lack of mentorship just in general um, there with a lot of, with so many black people in the same space. I was really like dismayed by the lack of mentorship that a lot of the C-suite people would give to folks that were younger. It, it was happening here and there, but on a, maybe a personal level, but not necessarily as a conservative, like, Hey, you know, I'm a VP of X. Let me talk to these young folks to tell you how I got here or how, you know, the things that I struggle with are those challenges. So when you were working for BET, did you feel like there was more unity or did you feel like it was it was harder to click and connect because um, I think it was twofold. I think um, from a business perspective, BT is a freaking mess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's one thing I will say. The other thing I will say is every decision that was made that you guys all think are horrible was done by old black people that did that thought they were cool. That's all I want to say um, about that. Mm. The rest of that is a longer conversation. Um, you know, it is. But I would say the employees that I work with are some of my some some of my dear friends to this day. I, that was the one aspect I will say that was dope. I met a lot of cool people that I still click with and vibe with. Um, I would say the downside was that that there was a lot of um, competing against each other, which I didn't think really needed to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And that was something that I was like really taken aback for me because I was expecting it to be a lot more uh, unity in that aspect if on a professional level. Um, I saw a lot of just like, hey, slow down, little Negro. You need to wait your turn or stay in your lane yeah. type stuff. And I thought that was something that t- took me aback. And like for I would see that way more than I would see someone helping and and that aspect. And like, again, I have some of the people that I've, I work with at BT. Some of us still talk to to this day. We've all gone on to really dope places and awesome things. And we, we really reflect fondly, fondly on our time working together and some projects and stuff like that. But we also have that kind of same thing where it was like there was a lot of just um, like you say, almost like a, it was like a microcosm of all the problems that we have in our black community 
in general, you know, crabs in the barrel, freaking, you know, um, lack of mentorship, the the older mm-hmm. folks looking at the younger folks as taking their jobs as opposed to a legacy type of situation. Yeah. Like a lot of that was was very prevalent. And so um, luckily I got to um, interact with a lot more sweet, sweet people and they were uh, very kind to me. And I, I love them to this day. I learned so much from to see from the other side. But I really wish that there was more concerted effort to um, to help the younger um, folks and also to just prop them up, because I think the, mm-hmm. that could have been a really good place to promote from within. And I didn't see that a lot. A lot of times people would like ask for those promotions and kind of get passed over for it or whatever it was. And then they would literally go somewhere else, some other random company that was huge and they would get the more money. They would get the title they asked for and they would be doing some dope shit. And I'm like, they want to do that here for cheaper because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they actually believe in the brand or they wanted to do something positive. So um, I think from my experience, that was one of the things that was like a little dismaying to me where I was like, man, there's so much potential to help and foster a lot of the creative talent here for everyone to be like, yo, where did you learn all this stuff? Oh, I learned it from BT and my wonderful pokes. But now that legacy, when a lot of people leave, it's usually in a negative, uh, it's looked at in a negative way or yeah. not as fondly. Like I, I love the people I work with. I don't necessarily work, like working there kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk about this for a second because it actually is an important thing within the African-American community. So you said that you you were older. So I'm just going to go ahead. I'm, I'm 47. Dave, you want to you wanna tell people how old you are? <laughs> <laughs> how old are you? Um, 42. Just put, turned okay. last week. So we're all, we're all in that okay. you know, realms. Um, and so, young OG status. Yeah, exactly. That was the other thing that got me too because I wasn't used to that, talking to people that were 10 years younger than I was working with. Mm -hmm. And so hearing their perspectives and like, um, and because being in situations where I might've been shushed or kind of calmed down from an older person, I try not to do that. So like when they, yeah. would say, when they, when they did, when they would say something, it, I actually took the onus on myself to be like, wait, hold on, let me listen. Cause you know, they're, what they say has, you know, I want to hear where they're coming from and then see how I could do that. Cause I think that helped me a lot um, working with a lot more younger folks that were about 10 years younger than me um, at that time to um, kind of just interface you know, differently. Cause I was, I didn't, I didn't want to be old man hip hop. <laughs> ah, you kids, you guys listen well, to your yeah, music. No, that, it is a serious problem. I know that it, it was something that I experienced in New Orleans a lot and it was the older black gentleman. I, getting in the way of progress. And I really didn't understand it because I expected them to embrace new ideas and embrace younger people and be like, no, young buck, you let me, I got your back. And so as we build AAGD, we are trying to make sure that we don't become those people. And I think it's a little bit more challenging than I thought it was, you know, it's something that you, I I think that some of that comes, I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to make sure that this thought was in my head, the the idea of the, the other generation and how they are. Um, I think we have to remember what type of environment they were brought up in. 100%. Um, 100%. That, you know, it was, that they, they came up, um, in an environment of you don't look, don't look me in the eye. Um, keep your head down. Don't, don't extend too far. Or something's going to happen to you. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and if it wasn't them, it was certainly the generation right before them was telling them that. Yeah. So like, nah, definitely. you know, when I think about the attitudes of my, you know, my parents and, and, and my aunts and uncles, and I always have to remember, okay, yeah, they got, they were brought up in a world where you don't strive because the minute you strive, you got a target on your back. Mm. Yeah. So when I was being, when I was being brought up, 
it was very much that weird dichotomy of, you know, don't stick your neck out. And then the very next thing they would say is you can be anything you want to be. <laughs> right. Then like, well, goddamn. Yeah. So, and I also think that part of what's happening with us, um, our community is we've been taught to believe and live in a, in a scarcity model mm-hmm. where there is no scarcity. There's plenty of, there's plenty of business out there for us to go get. Um, because I see tons of mediocre work being done yep. by monolithic white agencies. Yeah, 100%. Um, totally there are tiny black, I mean, I, we, could, we, we could put two or three people together from AAGD right now and have just as skillful um, an agency as any of the, any of the gigantic white yeah. joints that are out there right now. So, And then the, I would say the only thing on top of that is now we get to the parts where now it's um, the things on top of skill. And I think that's the thing too, where that um, usually, and this is something that I'd learned and I would say over my years, just being in, um, work, in the working field and that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, it's awesome to be really, really dope. But then now you have all those extra skills, client interfacing, project management, accounting, those types of things. So I think a lot of times yeah. when, for black folks, like, okay, we're like, all right, I'm the best at what I do, but my attitude's horrible or I'm late or I'm not, you know, so there's these other aspects of it that were just like, okay, we got the skill now, like, as you guys were saying, how you guys are teaching a lot of the younger designers or junior designers to of, about that client interfacing, having those project management skills, because like you said, um, you know, it it's pains me to say, but it really is. We got to be twice as good. <laughs> um, and it's something that we've all heard from our folks, you know, older than us. Yeah. And so now it's not even about the twice as good part, but it's like having all of those check marks like, oh, you guys are on time. Oh, you guys got this. Oh, you got that. That's good. Oh, yeah. It, you know, and so it's a weird place because it's pretty discouraging if you come, you know, you're, you're just wide eyed and Bruce tail like, oh, I want to design the world. And you're just like, oh, this is how it is. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we have to provide cushion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that somebody I think I don't know if we've talked about it, Dave, but that's something that I always struggle with, like putting people who work for us in situations where they can be mentored and heard and loved and 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 you can view everything that they're presenting with you with empathy and then realizing that for us, the real world was different. And are we coddling people and making it more difficult for them in the long run? Are we actually giving them a place to grow and foster their skills without the microaggressions and bullshit we have to grow up with? Yeah. I mean, you want to put people in a place to succeed. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm starting to see more and more from our gen, and I'll, I'll just put everybody in the 40s, <laughs> is that um, That's we're trying to you, Cam. Yeah, we're, uh, but we're our word we're trying to you know put each other in places that we succeed because that's what happens with everyone else right so you know typical white boy graduates from um from college and he's like yo i'm a creative director now (laughs) and you know maybe not but he might get that one job a year out and does he deserve it maybe maybe he doesn't but that's something you don't necessarily see when you come for you know black designers and so i think um 
working on the, you said the mentorship, um, you know, sharing more and sharing experiences too. I think that's one of the things that I would say from a positive thing in BET, um, from talking to a lot of the the C-suite people, um, I think I was asking the right questions and that kind of helped to facilitate those conversations. But also, um, luckily I had other people around me to kind of help me with that and kind of guide me like, yeah, you know, talking to a VP or an SVP, there's certain questions you might not want to ask, or you might want to ask a certain way to elicit a better response. And so having that understanding that and really knowing those things, those are those skills that you don't know unless someone tells you or someone like guides you in that, you know, like if you're a junior designer, you're talking to SVP, SVP, you know, are you going to tell them that their idea is whack? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or if you are, or if you are, how are you going to do it in a way that's productive for, to get to the same goal? Cause at the end of the day, we're all striving for the same goal. So I think a lot of those are the types of skills that I think for, for black designers, we, that's how we're going to learn is like, is we tell each other and like, you know, really like, you know, you say each one teach one type situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we can actually thrive so that everybody can be good as opposed to just a fuse, you know? Yeah. Tell, tell them. And when they respond with that, that trauma response that's been ingrained in our DNA, handle it differently than mm-hmm. white people would handle it. Cause we, we've been there. Yeah. Dave, did you want to say something about it? I, no, okay. I mean, it's, there's always a, you know, it's just a running track of every time a new topic comes up, a new experience is there. So <laughs> no, you, might yeah. me, you might see me acknowledge that in my face, but I don't, I don't need it. There's nothing I need to say. Yeah. I mean, and I think even for myself, like, you know, um, I was in a situation where I disagreed with the um, the head of the company about uh, the direction of something. And so I was, you know, trying my best to kind of figure out a way to come to a good consensus to move forward. And ultimately that didn't work out, ended up um, uh, parting ways. But I think as I look back, I'm like, okay, how could I have uh, done this different differently? And mm-hmm. is there, was there a way to do that differently? Or was there a way where instead of going forward, because I'm, I got this, I'm just going to figure it out. I could have just stopped and be like, whoa, 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 stop, stop. Before we can move forward, mm-hmm. a couple of things need to be decided upon so that that way I'm in the best position to succeed at this project. And so it was a good learning experience for me because, you know, I think at one point I was kind of like downing on myself, like, oh man, like, you know, uh, maybe I am not, maybe I wasn't right or was, you know, maybe I was just doubting those types of things. Yeah. And then taking a step back, I was like, oh, actually, no, I was in the right, but just how I phrased it and how I was going about it, that was the, that was the downfall of that relationship. You know, I, I wish... If there was one thing I wish for AAGD right now is that more people felt more open coming to some of the events to have conversations about how to talk through mm-hmm. situations. Definitely. Because in, like you were saying, interpersonal communication is one of the most essential skills for learning how to be a visual communicator. Yes. 100%. And so I, I see so many people just that are immensely talented in terms of what they can produce, but are stuck because they don't know how to to communicate as a creative and not being able to be heard as a creative has to be one of the most frustrating things there is. Is We we looked at um, three portfolios last week, last, last Wednesday night. And before I saw any of the work, every one of the designers we talked to was they were expressing doubt. They were they were saying that their their work they weren't sure their work was any good. They didn't know where to get started. And then when I actually saw the work, they all had great work. <laughs> I was like, wow! Like mm-hmm. I was expecting to see some crap. 
<laughs> and then when I saw the work, when I saw their portfolio, I was like, wait a minute, there's some yeah. good stuff in here. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same thing is happening with the the Black Mid Awards show also. Like there's so many more people who sh- should be submitting, but they're just shy. I guess because sometimes you work in a silo. And, and you so don't really know. and so then speak on that. Like you guys are starting out, you guys are um throwing your first like awards type um uh I don't want to say show because we live in the, the realm of COVID these days, so <laughs> everything's online. Oh, it's gonna be a show. <laughs> but I mean. black black you guys are doing your own awards uh event and what was the thinking behind that? And why did you guys want to do that? The, people have been asking for recognition in the field of graphic design for African-Americans in that group specifically for the last 10 years. And I, I'm horrible at planning events. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I, I understand it'd be a great idea, but I'm not, I'm not the one. It's just enough to manage this, trying to do an event show at the same time would just <laughs> be crazy. Um, so we try to program and build things that the community wants. So the community has wanted this for a long time and we have wanted it because, you know, it's really good to look at the work that black people have are contributing to our industry and celebrate it because we just aren't celebrated enough. And this is the way to do it. No, that's awesome. I think, and you're right. I think, um, as the young kids say, give people their flowers (laughs) while they're alive. alive. But you're right though. I think, um, I remember when I started to do more agency work and I started to ask about like all these awards, like um, different like award um, events and all this different stuff. And I was just like, yo, how did you guys go? Like I was like a very small agency. They did a lot of work for like um, the Wildlife Federation. They did they did some small stuff for like Disney, but just like just the emails. They did some other they did some really they did. They were like an agency that did the really random stuff that no one wants to do, but still needs to be done. (laughs) And Mm. but it was interesting because I looked and they had like. 15 awards. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then when I looked at each award, each one was these really cutty, unknown, like uh, advertising or awards for emails or all this stuff. And so when I was talking to the main um, owner, he was just like, yeah, there's literally like 100, 150 different award events out there, but you just have to apply. And most of them all have a fee and all those types of things. And so as long as your work is decent and you apply, more than likely you'll win something. And a lot of times what happens is a lot of people don't know that. And so um, as a, almost a disadvantage, especially for us as again, going back to, you know, black designers, like there's tons of award things out there. We just don't know that. Like, I think I have like two, two webbies, maybe three, I think something like that. And that was just nice. me working with, working with different companies and getting it. And I, sometimes I forget. And so then when I put it on my resume, I'm like, oh yeah, I, got, I want an Emmy. Yeah, I want a, a webby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing, right? Supplying a venue or a vehicle for people to put stuff on their yeah. resume yeah, is important also. And, yeah. and, you know, for us, in many ways, my hope is that we're the gateway. Like, like oh, this wasn't as bad as we thought it was. Let me, like, look at submitting things to, uh, to exactly. other award shows. Exactly. Yeah. And that's good because um, even when I, like, working at Viacom, like, there's a couple um, advertising, um, like, award events that I had never heard of. But why would I if I wasn't in advertising? And so now that I was in advertising for a TV network and I started to see all the different TV network awards that were for the creation of a lot of the stuff. So, you know, the design of an award show or the, a campaign for a TV show or, you know, um, a um, like a physical um, ad campaign for something like that that deals with like buses and physical products, stuff like that. So there was these, all these really weird things that I had never had no, um, no thought process of. And then now working at larger companies, I'm like, oh, this is the game. You guys just apply for like 50 awards and then you get yeah. like 20 of them and then you stick 
kick that onto your thing, and now you guys have more awards. And I'm like, yo, any one of us could do this. <laughs> we just don't know. Y'all just be hiding it. And then, like, my friend, who uh, white dude, he was like, no, no, they don't hide it. They just don't like tell you guys. <laughs> and if you guys don't know to look, then how are you supposed to know? And I was like, right. dude, that's 100% a great um, example because if any one of the people in AAGD like oh, apply for some of these awards, they would more than likely win it um, purely off of like, already having good work. Now you just got to know about that. So I think of this award show is something that could actually, like you said, it help, it will help them kind of get over that hump of just like, oh, am I good enough? I don't know, maybe this and that and get them in just at least at least starting start that starting point. Yeah, I think the, the other part of that is that the contests are fun. But um, I also think that client satisfaction is the best way to know if you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's something that we'll always want to preach as well, you know, um, cause I, I used to, I, I don't really enter that many contests anymore just because it's, you know, it's just cost prohibitive. Um, mm-hmm. I entered a couple of illustrations in CA this year and it was $120. Yep. Um, that's how they get them. That's how they fund most of them. Yeah. And the only yeah. reason I entered those was because I promised the person I'd done the work for that I would. Mm. Um, otherwise, cause otherwise I never would have, I mean, that just I wouldn't have done it because I, because I know enough to get my satisfaction from whether or not the client was happy with the work and it did well for them. Like, you know, it was a good product or a project or whatever it was for them. That's where that satisfaction comes from. So contests are, are cool and I like them and it's a great way to build a community and have some fun. Um, but I also think that that we should probably spend some some of our time teaching these younger designers how to build their own confidence. Yeah, and I think in their, also in their I own think, minds, in their own in their own practice. Yeah, one of the things I I've also learned too is like you know the motivations for getting into creates in creative fields are different now. And so like there are the, you know, pure people, hey, I'm an artist. I want to be an artist. I want to get my work out there, blah, 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 blah. And then there's other people that have different motivations and starting to understand those different types of motivations. So I was a dancer for a very long time and um, B-boy, hip hop, house, and a lot of those things. And so when I started dancing, I was like, I want to learn this particular style. Like I'm going to learn. I'm talking to, you know, um, a master's of it and I'm learning from the person. And then as I got an older, you know, I'm looking at a lot of these quote unquote TikTok dancers and the motivation is different now. Cause like now you have people that want to learn how to dance so they can be a TikTok dancer or to mm-hmm. make money off of it or whatever. Now, again, not saying what's right or wrong, but the motivation is different. And so even on the yeah. creative and design field, it's kind of the same situation because there are people that, you know, they want to own their own, uh, a design agency, or they want to go work at gray or they want to work at, you know, um, RGA or they want to work at, you know, a TV network and be in-house. So they want to do their, so there's like different motivations. And I think um, by tapping into those motivations, it's a little bit easier to understand where those um, creatives are coming from. Cause in that way, like we still have the same um, kind of common ground. Like we are all creative. We want to get our work out there. You know, I, I think um, I used to say for artists, like we're pretty much the most selfish. Cause we're just like, what I do is, is worthy of everyone else's attention. <laughs> but at a certain level, you know, those different motivations, is also what drives different people. So like, like you said, like for you, um, Dave, it's more about, you know, that client satisfaction. So, you know, that aspect of it for, you know, for me, I just like being creative. I have creative ADD as long as I'm doing something creative, it's fucking fun. But um, for other people, it's like, yo, I want to be creative and make money. And other people, I want to, you know, do what I do and people recognize it. And, you know, whether it's a, in a gallery or whatever, it's an NFT or one of those things. So 
I think tapping into those different types of motivations will also help that, you know, community aspect of it. Cause then you guys can kind of be like, Oh, okay. For the section of people here that really care about awards, boom, we got you. Here's all, here's a good list of it for people here that really care about client satisfaction, understanding, boom, we got something for you as well. And then for people that just really want to be good, like I want to be good at this, then here's, you know, a good track or good people to follow. So you can um, see where their paths are and going like that. So those are those the different tracks that you can kind of think about um, going forward to, you know, help those younger designers and, and creatives in general. I think, you know, I, we're focusing on design, but it's definitely there's also the creative aspects as well. Yeah, we had asked that question in the group of what 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 do you want to get out of your design career? We've asked that question before. We, we probably need to ask it more often. Yeah, because yeah, it changes all the time. A quarterly question that we ask just to constantly check in. Totally. I mean, for me, I think it's changed considerably because I've I usually bounce around from freelance to um, uh, staff in house type things, and so when um, like I worked at Marvel for about two years, so twelve year old Cam was like, "Yo, I work at Marvel. This is crazy." And then, but then again, I also work for Disney. <laughs> That's a huge conglomerate, and now my one cool idea takes eight months before it even sees fruition. So that was a learning curve as well as going from um, working somewhere smaller and then working at this huge place where my I literally am a little tadpole in a huge ocean. So I might have great ideas, but how is that idea, you know, furthering the narrative of the overall company's brand? How is it making money? How is it doing? Da, 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 da. All these things I never really thought about until I got there. And I was just like, holy crap, I'm really small and insignificant right now. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I learned was um, using the things I learned from somewhere else and applying it to a corporate structure. Then I started to be like, oh, this means I need to interface more with C-suite people. I need to speak mm-hmm. up more in meetings and, and show that, hey, this is my idea and this is how the idea supports the brand. This is how my idea makes money. Then people are like, oh, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> and so yeah. just adapting and understanding. But like, yeah, those different motivations and, you know, learnings help, you know, in every different place that you're at. And it's always interesting to kind of see that because I think that was that was a big jump for me going from somewhere where I had a lot of access to like all the C-suite people had a lot of input and then going to a place where like literally I'm the designer and it's just a large conglomerate <laughs> you know that was that was very shocking you get those like um because then it was kind of like harder to get your ideas out you know you still can make cool stuff and probably more people will see it but you're almost um, almost faceless at a certain point if you want to put it that way mm-hmm. And probably someone with no talent or no idea is is the one in charge of whether or not your idea gets anywhere. One hundred percent. And and one of the things I went back to my um, my old school talk to my teachers about was that you know. Um, talking, figuring out a way, because one of the things that we want to do, uh, it's going to happen eventually. I'm not figuring how, but um, having those conversations and um, or even a panel of other um, seasoned folks to be like, hey, how do you talk to C-suite people? How do you talk mm-hmm. to, how do you, how do you get your idea from your idea to a place for that will benefit the business in a way that, you know, still um, is um, indicative of what you're really wanting to in terms of your creativity to how does it help that, that, company's brand and in further that narrative and then see actually make money because at the end of the day uh, an account manager makes me money a creative just costs me money so if yeah. i'm a ceo and that's how i'm looking at it what are you doing to convince me that your idea is going to help and so i didn't get that lesson until way later i remember when uh, a ceo told me that one time he's like wait every time you come up with an idea you cost me money every time they come up with an idea they make me money and i was like damn <laughs> <laughs> but i appreciated the honesty because i never thought of it that way i was just like yo man this is gonna be cool what if we do this this, that'd be awesome. And he's like, yeah, man, but that cost me money. So what, what, what are you doing here? And so, yeah. 
in a harsh way, but also an enlightening way, he made me think about it a little bit more about, okay, my idea is cool, but why is it cool? What, what am I going to do with it? And how is it going to further the place of the clients or the place that I'm at, you know? Yeah. Well, when you put together that, uh, that speech, let us know that, that, that TED talk. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, our conversation has been awesome. Do you guys, anything else you guys want to um, leave in your final word before we, uh, we, we bounce out? Dave, we'll let you go first. Uh, final word, did you say? Yeah. Um, should, should this word be motivational, self-promotional? What are we talking about here? <laughs> I'm going to do two. You can do motivational and then self-promotional after. Okay. Um, motivational. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll circle back to what I was talking about uh, earlier. Um, there is so much junk out in the world. Um, we were talking about different design contests and, and I looked up some, um, well, I won't say what the publication was, but I saw some of the winning logos. <laughs> um, and I, I, I can tell you just in the last month, our group has posted, you know, cause every now and then someone will post something they finished working on. I've seen a handful of logos that were 10 times better than any of those things that were featured in a national magazine in, in our group. So the motivational thing there is um, we are good at what we do. Um, There, there is no, um, we shouldn't, we really do start. We need to start um, preaching to each other about how imposter syndrome doesn't really exist. It's just fear and reticence and, and, and a little bit of self doubt, but like, like we're good. Like the community is good. We're good. Yeah. Like that, that would be my motivation is that we already have the skills for what we, what we have going on. And um, the, the only other self-promotional thing I would say is send people to the, send people to the Facebook group, tell them to join up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to summarize what Dave said by uh, doing a quote by I forget who of Cash Money Brothers. We are all we got. DMB. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so I am gonna just going to go through movie quotes now. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. I um, am my brother's kid. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to say that um, I'm going to circle back to the conversation about, you know, us of a certain age and older black people. I, I know it is upon my neck and ours uh, at this age and this stage of our career to make sure that we are available for younger designers and and we are we have made ourselves available to older designers just like you also so that we can bridge that gap and i just want everybody to know that we are here for you and reach out that is the only way that you are going to reach success is to know who's in your corner to reach out to them and in return do things for your community yeah man that's dope yeah that's one of the things that i think um i'm starting to see more of the value and uh uh, I want to say responsibility um, as I get a little bit older now and have a little bit more mileage into my um, professional realm is just kind of like, you know, I've done that in different areas of my um, randomness, but in the design realm, I'm just going to be a little bit more thoughtful about that. And to, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, reach out to reach out to folks and, you know, have better connections and, you know, be a little bit more positive. And like you said, there's that imposter syndrome is real. And I think, you know, everyone, everyone that's a creative has it, but I think in the black community, we have it just I'll probably even harder just because we have, we are, we are 
like a triple layer of doubting ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, I want to, I'm you know, personally working on that to be better about that. To, like you said, give people their flowers, you know, um, really big up folks that are dope. And, and then also just be around to like ask those questions and to answer those questions and, and be um, available to have those conversations. Cause you're right. I think just having conversations with people and like, what I've learned too, is I've been getting better at um, not lying um, just in general. Cause I think when people talk, I was like, I talk oh, a lot, good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, but okay, I got to a good point where like, I talk a lot. So I'm like, I hope I would just rather just be on the air of, I probably said that shit <laughs> than be like, oh. nah, I did it. And so with that being said, it be, makes me a little bit more genuine and um, thoughtful about what mm. I say to people so that when they come back, like, yo, you told me this one thing in 2014 that changed my life and da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, 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 probably did. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to kind of keep that energy and keep being a little bit more positive and helpful um, so that, like you said, it pays dividends later on, because I think I want that's what I want. I, I want to I want to see more um, black designers and creatives being like, yeah, yeah, I learned from, you know, my OGs over here. They helped me out. It was, you know, they helped. Me, and then because of that, I'm helping other designers. So we can keep that like that legacy going. So um, yeah. that's that's where I'm looking. That's where that's where I want to leave it at. Yeah, I think that would make our ancestors proud. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. All of them like, hey, all right, y'all, y'all all right. You know, we were yeah. a little worried for a while. <laughs> um, but thank you, fellas, for being on. It was a great conversation. This is yeah. this will be you guys will we'll come back on again and maybe we'll do a, a specific topic and invite some more folks. Like one of the things, oh, yeah, anytime. Yeah, we'll do that. Cause I am gonna um I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna get more into the live stream. I haven't done it yet, but uh, more just time willing, but um definitely gonna be good putting that on your guys' radar um to further some of these discussions and kind of like you said, like you know, work on that mentorship and help help the younger help, help the youngins sounds <laughs> <laughs> good man yeah, yeah for sure. pleasure man thank you so much no problem am i am out thanks guys peace all right have a good one. take care I want to thank Terrence Moline and Dave McClinton from the African Graphic Designers, a.k.a. AAGD. You can find more about them on at AAGD.co. Also on Instagram at AAGD underscore CO. Thanks and see you next time. Friends Are Fresh is a Mookie production, produced, recorded, edited by Cameron Timor, beats by Prometheus Jackson. You can learn more at myfriendsarefresh.com and you can hear more beats on Instagram at Prometheus Jackson.